this message is not so easy to preach and it may not be so easy for you to hear. But this is the message that God has for us today. We're continuing to look at 1 Peter. Today's text is unsettling when we're feeling comfortable. We're still in the Easter season and vividly remembering the suffering and persecution of Christ. For those who follow Christ, suffering is not something we should strive to avoid, but rather to accept as part of the reality of life. We all have, are, or will suffer in our lifetime. Some will suffer more than others. And I know that there are many among us right now who are going through difficult times. Instead of becoming bitter or feeling sorry for ourselves when challenges occur, we need to strive to follow the example of our Savior. Christ is the, ex the supreme example of suffering evil for doing good. His experience as the suffering servant Savior transforms the suffering of his followers from misery into privilege. As I mentioned last week, Peter was very familiar with suffering himself. He was persecuted for being a Christian. Peter commanded his followers to live holy lives, even though they were being persecuted as well. To reverently fear and trust God and to be honest and loving and to become like Christ. He tells us Christ should be our model for obedience to God in the midst of great suffering, that we should be thankful for the privilege of suffering for Christ and trust Christ to deliver us. Many Christians at that time were household slaves, but Peter, in this particular letter, is addressing them as members of the household of God, as believers, not as slaves. It would be easy for them to submit to masters who were gentle and kind, but Peter encouraged loyalty and perseverance even in the face of unjust treatment. In the same way, we should submit to our employers and others as well, whether they can are considerate or harsh. By doing so, we may win them to Christ by our good example. We may suffer for many reasons. Some suffering is the direct result of our own sin. Some happens because of our foolishness. Some is the result of living in a fallen world. Peter is writing about suffering that comes as a result of doing good. All who follow Jesus must be prepared to suffer. Our goal should be to face suffering as he did, with patience, calmness, and confidence that God is in control of the future. Christ died for our sins in our place so that we would not suffer the punishment that we deserve. To trust God in the midst of suffering was considered to be a high calling to which these new members and new believers should aspire. We too should trust God in the midst of suffering as a high calling. We are not considered slaves, but fears and dangers in our own world enslave and limit our creativity for solutions. Anxieties about health and work, and maybe where the next paycheck is coming from, can enslave our instincts for hope in the future. How do we learn from these early believers to trust in the midst of our own suffering? Someone said there are no roses without thorns 
There are no victories without battles. When you suffer for what is wrong, such as being fined for driving over the speed limit, or maybe being arrested for walking away with something that, you know, does not belong to you or you did not pay for, um, it's relatively easy to bear. But, you know, you were getting what you deserved because of your improper behavior. Well, what happens though when you suffer for doing the right thing? Perhaps losing your job because you refuse to cheat the client or doing something else and, and people just totally, you know, give you a difficult time about it. You can seek revenge, you can cry, you can argue and complain, or you can respond like Jesus and return love for hatred. When we know that one day we will experience the gift of salvation and the reward of spending eternity in heaven, we can persevere even during the most difficult of trials. When we endure unjust treatment, we bring glory to God by our example, uh, following the example of Christ who suffered unjustly without retaliation. People often wonder why God allows suffering and pain in this world. Here's an explanation that might help you to understand. A man went into a barber shop to have his hair cut and his beard trimmed. As the barber began to work, they had some good conversations about many things, many subjects. And when they eventually, um, conversation turned to God, the barber said, I don't believe that God exists. Why do you say that? Asked the customer. Well, all you have to do is go out in the street to realize that God doesn't exist. Tell me, if God exists, would there be so many sick people? Would there be abandoned children? If God existed, there would be neither suffering nor pain. I can't imagine loving a God who would allow all these things. Customer thought for a moment, but he didn't respond because he didn't want to start an argument. The barber finished his job and the customer left the shop. Just after he left the barber shop, he saw a man in the street with long, stringy, dirty hair and an untrimmed beard. He looked dirty and unkempt. Customer turned back and entered the barber shop again and he said to the barber, you know what? Barbers do not exist. <laughs> How can you say that? Asked the surprised barber. I'm here and I'm a barber and I just took care of you. No, the customer exclaimed. Barbers do not exist because if they did, there would be no people with dirty long hair and untrimmed beards like that man outside. Ah, but barbers do exist. What happens is people do not come to me. Exactly, affirmed the customer. That's the point. God, too, does exist. What happens is people don't go to him and do not look for him. That's why there's so much pain and suffering in the world. Peter is telling us to expect suffering as followers of Christ. We should endure suffering so that others can see the Lord's power to help Christians endure. 
As Christians, we can encourage others who are suffering by showing mercy, humility, and kindness, and sharing God's love with them. Every single one of us here today has suffered in some way. Perhaps it was by harsh words, a friend's anger, a spouse's betrayal, you know, by our own failures, our sins, sickness, the list goes on. When these things happen, look for a Christian who showed grace under pressure. Pray that you too will endure with God's help when and if the heat in your life is turned up. When the sin in our life is causing us to suffer, we know that by asking God for forgiveness and help in overcoming it, we can grow in our faith, draw closer to him, and be an example to others. The outcome of suffering and enduring trials, whatever they may be, can become a testimony to God and a powerful witness to others by the way we accept and handle them in the same way that Jesus did and use them to lean on God's glory. Jesus understands how difficult suffering can be. Brian Harbour wrote, the most glorious result of the humanity of Jesus is that he's able to understand what we are going through. When you get tired and think that you can't go on, he understands. When you are treated unfairly by others, he understands. When those whom you love most dearly let you down, he understands. When your parents don't understand you and your brothers and sisters make fun of you, he understands. When you're left out, ignored, he understands. When your best laid plans are sabotaged by the jealousy and envy of others, he understands. When you stand at the tomb of one whom you loved with all your heart and cry, why did it have to happen? He understands. Here are two examples of good that can come from suffering. A man found a cocoon of the emperor moth and he took it home to watch it emerge. One day a small opening appeared and for several hours the moth struggled to get through that tiny um, uh, the hole, but he couldn't seem to force his body past a certain point. Deciding something was wrong, the man took scissors and snipped the remaining bits of cocoon. Mouth emerged easily, its body was large and swollen, and its wings were small and shriveled. He expected that in a few hours the wings would spread out into their natural beauty, but that did not happen. Instead of developing into a creature free to fly, the moth spent its life dragging around a swollen body and shriveled wings. The constricting cocoon and the struggle necessary to pass through that tiny opening are God's way of forcing fluid from the body into the wings. The merciful snip was in reality cruel. Sometimes the struggle is exactly what we need. Maybe God is using your struggle to help you to be free, to be what he created you to be, 
Others will see, you how, will see how your struggle led you to rely on him, and the end result is that your life becomes more beautiful, and God receives the glory. B.M. Landerville has written, the vine clings to the oak during the fiercest of storms. And although the violence of nature may uproot the oak, twiny tendrils still cling to it. If the vine is on the side opposite the wind, the great oak is its protection. But if it's on the exposed side, the tempest only presses it closer to the trunk. In some of the storms of life, God intervenes and he shelters us, while in others, he allows us to be exposed so that we will be pressed more closely to him. The ending verse in today's scripture, it says, by his wounds, you are healed. It may be helpful sometimes for us to remember those wounds. Let us never, ever forget Jesus' suffering. Think about what he went through for each and every one of us. His soul was exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Gethsemane, his loneliness, prayers, and the disappointment with his disciples, his bloody sweats, the traitor's kiss, the binding, the blow in the face, the spitting, the buffeting, the mocking, the scourging, the crown of thorns, the smiting, the sorrowful way and burdensome cross, the exhaustion and collapse, the stripping, the impaling, the jeers of his foes, the flight of his friends, the hours on the cross, the darkness, his being broken and forsaken by God, his thirst and his death. These sufferings of Christ remind us, first the cross, then the crown. We rejoice when our loved ones are healed, but we need to remember that it won't last. Everyone Jesus healed died. We are all going to die. The apostle Peter had repeatedly witnessed Jesus cure the incurable, but Peter understood that Jesus came to offer more than a temporary physical or emotional healing. Jesus came to offer an eternal cure for physical and spiritual death. Jesus' death on the cross was the wound that finished the healing process for all of us. Miraculous healing still happens sometimes. Tumors disappear, transplants are performed, cancer goes into remission. However, through what happened on a wooden cross 2,000 years ago, we have received permanent healing for something far more important than our physical, mental, or spiritual health. We have been given new life, one that has been cured of the finality of death. Jesus' suffering ended when he was resurrected. Our suffering will end when God calls us to our eternal home. The unsaved world is watching us. They should be able to tell that we have a peace and an assurance that non-believers do not have. The shepherd in heaven is watching over us, so we have nothing to fear. 
When we place everything in God's hands, he will work everything together for good and his glory. Verse 21 in today's scripture says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. However difficult this passage of scripture may be, and life itself must be, we cling to the words of verse 25, which says, Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Just as a shepherd lovingly cares for his flock and keeps them safe, so Jesus cares for us. He keeps us safe and well and rescues us when we are in trouble or turmoil. As the church, we are called to be shepherds caring for those among us and around us. As we worship, sing, hear scripture, serve one another in fellowship together, we draw closer to the shepherd, embrace his loving care, and we learn how to shepherd one another. Just as sheep learn to recognize the shepherd's voice, the more time we spend drawing close to God, the more we will learn to recognize his voice and be comfortable following him. When we stray from the shepherd, Jesus seeks us. He comes after us, he rescues us, and he carries us back to safety through the gates of his redeeming love. You know, being redeemed is to be rescued from a bad situation, often at a great cost to the one who redeems. The cost for Jesus to redeem us was the shedding of his blood. The hope we have after going astray comes when we turn to the shepherd and guardian and ask for forgiveness and we are forgiven and welcomed home. As one of Jesus' sheep, learn to recognize when and how God is holding you in his loving arms, watching over you and guarding your soul. Can you think of a more wonderful place to be than in the arms of Christ? Sincere love for others is taking our eyes off ourselves and meeting the, uh, the needs of others. Christ showed us he truly loves us. By following his example, we now can share sacrificial love. We have a shepherd to guide us and direct us in all we think and say and do. In the arms of the shepherd, our soul is being guarded. God is our guardian, our protector, our guide, and our director. In his love, he cares for us. In his power, he protects us. And in his wisdom, he guides us in the right way. Amen.